0: Four. Ooh, thank you my dear trade you last sunday i preached from this very same passage of scripture anyone remember a few all right and i preached uh, on the subject rejoicing together at harvest time and i talked about the joy that the sowers and the reapers experienced Now, does everyone remember that message? Raise your hand if you remember it. Some of you don't remember it. All right, that's okay. Now, who were the sowers? Who's the sower? Yeah, the church. And we are sowing seed. And who's the reaper? The missionaries, right. And the sowers and the reapers rejoice together. Well, I'm here today to tell you that that's not the only truth found in this passage of scripture there's more truth and so that's why i'm preaching on the same passage now just as surely as every born again christian needs to know the lord's will for their life and needs to do that will every day uh, so every born again christian needs to have some sort of missions vision Because that is part of the will of God for our lives. Today I'm speaking on the subject, do you have a missions vision? And we'll see that from this passage. Now what we're talking about here when we say missions vision, what we're talking about is how we see ourselves participating in the great race to get the gospel to the lost people. That's what we're talking about. A missions vision. How is it that we take a part? How are we participating in the great race to get the world to Christ? Now, our master, Jesus himself, he had a missions vision when he left heaven and came to earth. In fact, when you think of it, Jesus himself was something like a missionary, wasn't he? Because he was sent by the father and he was sent to the lost people of the world with the message of salvation. Folks, that's missions. That's what missions is all about. So Jesus came with a missions vision, and the missions vision was to reach the entire world. It wasn't just Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria. Jesus' mission vision was to reach the entire world with the gospel. Now here in John chapter 4 and verse number 35, I'd like you to look at it. It says, um, this is Jesus speaking. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And so here we see that Jesus himself had a missions vision when he came to earth, and that vision was to reach the world with the gospel. That Is Jesus' mission vision. Moreover, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he plainly came out and he said, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's his mission's vision. He gave it several times. And um, uh, that mission vision of Jesus, he didn't leave it behind when he left earth, he took it with him to heaven. Jesus is in heaven today at the right hand of the Father interceding and praying. And he still has the very same missions vision this very moment that he had when he came to earth 2,000 years ago. It's the same missions vision to reach the entire world with the gospel. Now, folks, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be having our missions conference. And so we need to prepare our hearts. That's why last Sunday, last Lord's Day, I spoke on that subject, the sower and the reaper, and rejoicing together at the harvest time, showing that our part is to be doing the sowing. The missionaries are doing the reaping for us. They're getting to places and they're reaping where we can't possibly get to. Uh, I was watching a little missions video by one of our missionaries, the Portilos, down in Nicaragua, and uh, they're doing a great job For the Lord down there, and they're seeing souls come coming to Christ, and I'm thinking, wow, that's fantastic. That's just what we want. They're they're getting a great church established. They went down and with basically nothing, and now they've got a, a great little church going. They got a vision to reach the world. They want to get a Bible college started, and they want to train future leaders. I mean, they're they're doing it, folks. That's good news. So this missions vision is what we need to get a hold of. And starting today, we need to uh, prepare for the missions conference because the day is coming very soon, just within a couple of weeks, three weeks, when our new conference will be here. We'll be doing a new faith promise for the following 12 months. Our old faith promise has come to a close, and we want to start a new faith promise. And we want to see what we can do for God over the next 12 months. And so we need to get this mission's vision down pat. Now, before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer. And then we're going to look and see what we can learn here today. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us a Bible that gives us truth. Lord, where would we be without the Bible? We wouldn't even know how to be saved, let alone how to live for you. So we thank you so much for the word of God. Help us, Heavenly Father, to have attentive hearts and minds, to have ears to hear, eyes to see. Father, I pray for everyone that's watching over the Internet right now. They're in the comfort of their home, I think. And uh, Lord, help them to uh, pay close attention to the scriptures today. I pray that they would have no distractions, nothing that would distract them checking their emails or a ring at the doorbell or something that you would give them peace and protection. All of us, even here today in the auditorium, protect us from any of Satan's clever little ways to take our hearts and minds off of the message. Help us to receive the word of God today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there are three or four important points that I want to share with you today. And point number one, is that there's a great need for a great missions vision today for all Christians. Daniel Otis Teasley was born in the year 1876. He got saved and he got on fire for the Lord. And at an early age, 20 years of age in 1896, Teasley became a pastor of a church. It's quite unusual. Teasley was greatly burdened for lost people, and he had a great heart for worldwide missions. And so, in order to encourage Christians around him and Christian people in his church to support missions, he wrote a hymn, a rather blunt, compelling hymn, and he titled it, All Because We Do Not Love Them. Here are the words of his hymn. Many souls today are dying. Sin and sorrow is their lot. Darkness shrouds them with its mantle. All because we love them not. Brother, can we guiltless, can we guiltless linger when to us the truth is given? Tearless, see the heathen dying without God or hope of heaven. Love brought Jesus down from glory on the cruel cross to die. Can we say we love the heathen if we turn away their cry? Love undying, love eternal. Love will send us o'er the wave, will impel us to our duty, helpless heathen souls to save. Jesus said, go teach all nations. They are lost if we delay Can we face him at the judgment if his word we disobey? And then he had a little chorus for his hymn. And the chorus goes like this. All because we do not love them. Millions fill the heathen grave. Brother, can you see them perish? With a little love would save. Well, the hymn like that, it's pretty easy to see that Daniel Teasley was a man with a strong missions vision. Teasley's hymn, I think, might have gone over very well with the disciples as they stood that day outside the Samaritan village with Jesus, catching a, a missions vision for lost sinners to love them and give them the gospel. You know, it's absolutely true That Jesus had a perfect and has a perfect missions vision. And that day, he was trying to teach his disciples there in Samaria, he was trying to teach them to get a similar missions vision. Now, my question for you today is do you have a missions vision? Now that day there in John chapter 4, as the disciples stood and Jesus told them, lift up your eyes, look on the the fields, they're white already, to harvest. What if one of the disciples turned to Jesus and said something like, uh, Jesus, we're not you, you're different from us, you have a different mission than we have. Now that would be a strange thing to say to Jesus especially by one of the disciples that day. But before Jesus went back to heaven, he actually gave the disciples a similar commission that he was given. He gave it to them. Now, for this, we'll need to go to John chapter 20. So if you just turn over there, please, John chapter 20. And here we have our our Lord Jesus And he's already suffered the cruel cross. Dead, buried, and rose again on the third day. Hallelujah. He's alive, folks. Jesus is alive. And he said to his disciples here in verse number 21. Then said Jesus to them again. Peace be unto you. As my father hath sent me. Even so send I you. Everyone, read those words of Jesus. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Now, the Lord Jesus didn't mean for them to go out and get on a cross and die for the people. That's not what he meant. He wasn't telling them to go and sacrifice themselves as a sacrifice for sin, for for the sins of the world. No. They couldn't do that. Only he could do that. But what he was telling them was, as the Father hath sent me to seek and to save that which is lost, even so send I you. As Jesus came into the world with his mission's vision, so he was imparting that to them. And he gave them a commission, marching orders, if you will. As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. If you and I were standing there with the disciples that day after the resurrection. We would have heard Jesus say those words to us. As the Father hath sent me. Even so send I you. If the Lord Jesus would come down from heaven to the church here in Surrey, Grace Baptist and stand behind this pulpit. He might just say the words as the Father hath sent me. Even so send I you, there's no escaping the clear fact that every born-again man, woman, and young person, every Christian has been commissioned. They have a part. And that's why we all need a missions vision. Now, not all of us can be an apostle like the Apostle Paul. In fact, no one can. Not all of us can be a missionary and go to parts of the world like some of our missionaries can that we support. But we can all be involved, every one of us. And for this, we need a missions vision. So point number one is that we need to see that there's a great need for such a missions vision today. Robert Moffat was a tremendous Christian man. He lived in the 1800s. God called him to be a missionary in the continent of Africa. And Robert Moffat said these immortal words after years of service in the continent of Africa. He said, I have sometimes seen in the morning sun The smoke of a thousand villages where no one has ever heard the name of Jesus Christ. His words impress the heart of another young man named Livingston. And God called Livingston to be a missionary there in Africa. But it's easy to see that Robert Moffat was a godly man and had a tremendous missions vision from what he said here. I have sometimes seen in the morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages where no one has ever heard the name of Jesus Christ. What a missions vision. Do you have a missions vision? Do you? You probably have a vision for other things, no doubt. You have a vision for a Job, career, maybe a vision for family, raising children. Maybe someone here has a vision to own a house or own a a cottage or go on a vacation, a vision, you know, to take a world trip. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. But we cannot leave undone the most important part. Because when you and I stand before Jesus Christ, which may be sooner than we think, we'll not give account about our vision to own a house. We'll not give account to him of our vision to own our own business or advance in the career in the company or to make a bigger paycheck. We're not going to answer to him for that. But we will answer to him for our mission's vision. Jesus has a mission's vision And he has commissioned us to likewise have a missions vision. And he was trying that day to teach the disciples. There outside of that town in Samaria, he was trying to teach them to have a vision. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. He was telling them, get yourself a missions vision. There's a tremendous need today. The world is crazy today. The U.S. just came through a crazy election. And U.S. politics affect the world. Now I'm praying that the, the new government, new president, new government, is going to mean new exciting open doors for us to be able to win souls to Christ. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned more about that than I am about the price of steel on the open market today. Okay. I'm concerned about the missions vision. That is the heartbeat of God. And so Jesus was trying to perpetuate the great work of the gospel that he had been sent to begin and he was involved with. I suppose we could use the words of Solomon out of Proverbs 29, where there is no vision, the people perish. We need a missions vision, folks. What is your missions vision? How do you see yourself participating in reaching the world with the gospel? Where do you fit in? How do you see yourself? That's a good question. Do you have a missions vision? There's a tremendous, tremendous need today in a crazy world. Now messed up with COVID, messed up with economy that's gone south. Politics is crazy. Diseases are rampant. You know, peoples are at their wit's end. There seems to be more looting, shooting, rioting, unrest, uh, family disturbances, um, husband, wife, children abuse, on and on the list goes. The world needs Christ at the rate things are going. Soul winning Christians will never be out of work. Boy, we've got a job, but it's not impossible because God is our source. I want to ask if every day this month you would pray, Lord, open my eyes to the harvest fields of the world. Would you think about doing that? We only have a few days left of this month. The first week is gone. We've only got three weeks left over the next 21 days. Would you pray 21 times, Lord, today, open my eyes. Open my eyes, Lord. You know that hymn. Open my eyes that I may see the harvest fields of the world. So many of us, we we wear blinders. You know what those are, right? They put them on horses. When you go for a little horse and buggy ride, the horse has blinders on so that it doesn't get distracted with things on the side. It just clippity-clop goes ahead. And sometimes us people, we put on blinders and all we can see is the money, the career, the job, or the house, the kids, the mortgage. And we got these blinders on. Lord, remove the blinders. Lord, help us to see the harvest fields of the world. Would you pray that every day? Would you think about that every day? Number two, number one, There's a great need for a great missions vision amongst Christians today. Number two is we see the reality of where we stand in life. The reality of where we stand in life. Now, back in John chapter four, if you turn there, please go back to chapter four. The disciples were standing with Jesus where? What country were they in? Who can tell me? Say it out loud again. Starts with the letter S. Samaria. They were in Samaria. That was foreign turf for the disciples. They weren't born there. They didn't live there. They were in Galilee, right? Then most of them came from Galilee. But uh, they were in uh, Judah, that area known as Judah or Judea. Samaria was foreign soil here in chapter four. The disciples all knew that when they were standing there next to that Samaritan village, they were not home. They were nowhere near home. Were they, they were standing outside of a Samaritan village, but they were there with Jesus on a mission. That's why they were there that day. They were on a mission with Jesus and they were standing on foreign soil. And the reality of it is that's where they stood. They were not standing at home. And Christians today need to get the same understanding. We're on foreign soil, we are not home yet. This world is not our home. You may have a place, a physical location with an address, and you call that home. Well, that's temporary, isn't it? That's temporary. Your home is in heaven. Your citizenship is in heaven. Your master is coming back for you one day to take you home. Folks, down here on earth, we are what's called ambassadors ambassadors what is an ambassador an ambassador is a man or woman who's been commissioned by a, a government and sent to a foreign land they're on a mission they have a job to do they are representing the interests of their government back home that's the idea of an ambassador paul said in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 we are ambassadors for christ That's what he said. The disciples standing there that day in John chapter four, outside that Samaritan village, they were on a mission with Jesus in a foreign land. They were like ambassadors. Here's the reality of where they stood. The reality was they weren't standing at home. They weren't in their living room. This was not home. And Christians must realize the similar truth that the world is not our home and we must learn we are ambassadors with Jesus Christ here on earth on a mission with Jesus. We have a job to do. Now you might think, well, I don't have a job to do. I'm, I'm saved. I'm on my way home. I can hardly wait to get to heaven, but I don't have a job to do. Oh, my friend, you do. And you will be held accountable for that job. Don't you realize that with privilege comes responsibility? Isn't it a privilege to be saved? Isn't it a privilege to be part of God's family? Isn't it a privilege not to have to die and go to hell? You'll die or you'll be raptured, but you're going to end up in heaven. What a privilege. And with the privilege comes responsibility. You know, when we have a home, a physical home on earth here and we have children And then they have a bedroom. Now, this is your bedroom, son. What a privilege it is to have a bedroom. But with the privilege comes responsibility. Keep your bedroom clean. Parents, how many many of you have tried to teach your your son or daughter that? Raise your hand. If you've tried to teach your son or daughter, don't be ashamed. I'll put both of mine up. Hmm? You've tried to teach your son or daughter, keep your room clean. Yeah, I mean, that's normal. Parents don't want to give a, a bedroom to their son or daughter and, and just hope they turn it into a pigsty, a stinking mess with bugs and cockroaches and rats. They don't hope that at all. They, they entrust them with privilege, but with it comes responsibility. Here's a brand new bicycle for you, son. Now you take care of it. And when dad comes and sees the bicycle has been smashed and trashed and bashed, son, that's not taking care of your bicycle. Paul wrote in Hebrews concerning our salvation to any, t- to Christians. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? We will answer to God one day for how we treated our salvation. We will answer to God one day for how we participated in the great commission to help the world get saved. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, young or old, or what country you were born in. If you're born again, you're part of God's family. You're his son, his daughter. And with that privilege comes responsibility. And we need to realize where we stand. Folks, we are standing on foreign soil that is the reality of it we're going home to heaven one day it's going to happen some christians boy they can hardly wait to get home to heaven man no more mortgage payments no more doctor bills no more pain in the neck or pain in the leg Oh, boy, oh, boy, no one hounding me, bothering me. I can hardly wait to get to heaven. They're going to get to heaven, and then they're going to have to give answers to how they lived on earth, and they're going to hang their head in shame because they they weren't busy for the Lord. They didn't serve the Lord in any way, shape, or form. They just looked after their own interests and hardly wait to get to heaven. Oh, listen, that's like some unsaved people full of pain said, man, I just want to die and end all my pain. (gasps) your pain will just begin after you die you'll lift up your eyes in hell in torments you think you got it bad now hell is waiting for you my unsaved friend oh don't wish that you were dead wish you were saved get right with god well christians we're going home to heaven heaven's a wonderful place streets are paved with gold got mansions up there and Servants called angels and all of the good stuff. But we're going to stand and give account to Jesus. It's called the Bema, the judgment seat. Not for our salvation, but for how we lived for him. And we need to be about our father's business. The book of Ephesians says we've been saved unto good works. God expects you and I to be busy with good works. And the best work is to be involved in the worldwide harvest fields. And so the reality here, Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And words like these are very important to the Christian ambassador here on earth. And so this month, every day, can I suggest you pray two things? Number one, Lord, open my eyes to the harvest fields. And number two, Lord, I am your ambassador acknowledge the fact you're an ambassador two things I'm asking you to pray every day number one for God to open your eyes to the harvest fields and number two to acknowledge before God that you are his ambassador this world is not your home now quickly this brings us to the third point and that is the need of faith the need of faith now John chapter 4 and verse 35 Here's the Lord speaking to the disciples out there, standing in the physical fields outside that Samaritan city. There's a well thereby. Remember the woman at the well, she left her water pot. Verse 35, he's standing there with them. He says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh harvest. Now, look what he says. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they're white already to harvest. Now, look up at me, folks. Supposing that they're, they're looking at Jesus. Yes, yes. Lift, lift up your eyes, says Jesus. Look on the fields. They're white. And they go, I don't see any. I, I don't see any white harvest. See, what's Jesus talking about? I don't, I don't see. It's just all plain dirt here. I don't see anything. What's he talking about? What's the problem here? Jesus wasn't talking about the physical plants that grow out of the ground. He was talking about the spiritual harvest. And for that, it can only be seen by faith, by faith. There's a tremendous need for faith. If you're going to have a missions vision, it has to be based on faith. It required faith for those disciples there to be able to see what Jesus was talking about. And we must all have some sort of missions vision uh, about getting the gospel to humanity. And it must be built on faith. Now, listen carefully to me. You cannot build your missions vision on human reasoning and understanding. You cannot build a missions vision on human logic. Because it will fail. And we will miss the harvest. You must use faith. You say, what does that mean? What does faith mean? Faith means, Lord, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? God lays it on your heart. You say, yes, Lord, you act upon what God tells you, even though it may not make sense. You know that there's been many people in the Bible that have acted upon God's word. It didn't make sense to them at the time, but they did it. They did it anyhow. You know, our modern day churches... Modern day churches have replaced faith with human reason and logic. And that's why they've changed missions. Missions is no longer taking the gospel, the life-saving gospel to the lost. Missions is now go build an outhouse. Teach them how to plant corn. Show them how to irrigate their crops. Teach them how to feed their kids and clothe their kids. That's missions, according to the modern day church. What's happened here? They've taken away faith, and instead they've put human reason and logic. You cannot use human reason and logic when you're putting together your mission's vision. Lord, how do you want me to be involved? Now, what if God, what if you, what if you prayed this and God said to you, I want you to train to be a missionary, a foreign missionary for me? Why, right, for some Christians, they'd, they'd have a heart attack and die. What? <laughs> That interferes with all my plans, Lord. I can't be a missionary for all of these several reasons here. We must use faith. Now listen, take your Bible, turn back a few pages to the Gospel of Luke. Just a few pages to chapter 17 of Luke. Luke chapter 17. So important. I want you to read with me one verse. Very short verse, but very important verse. I want you to read with me in Luke chapter 17. I want you to read out loud verse number five. Read verse five out loud with me right now, please. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Say those last three words again. Increase our faith. Say it again, please. Increase our faith. Folks, we need our faith increased. I saw a sign outside of a church a couple of years ago and it said, come in for a faith lift. These days of plastic surgery, when people are getting facelifts, you know, tummy tucks and facelifts and they put come in for a faith, F-A-I-T-H, a faith lift. So I thought that was kind of humorous, but it's only by faith that we can develop a proper missions, vision. If you try to use human reason and logic, well, let me look in my wallet. Let me look at my bank account. Let me look at my schedule here. Let me see what I can, what I can logic out, what I can reason out. My friend, you're, you're, you're going to lose. You're going to totally miss what God has for you. And you'll miss out on the excitement. You'll miss the joy and you'll miss the rewards. You remember in Matthew chapter seven, where Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done A, B, C, D, E, you know? Have we not done these things? And then the Lord will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What's the problem? Weren't those good things? They weren't doing them by faith. They weren't, There there was no Lord Jesus, crucified, dead, buried, and rose again in front of it all. It was just religious works is all it was. And that's why these people were just as dead as their works were. And that's why he said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Folks, we can't be guilty of doing the same thing. They used human reasoning, human logic. And there are so-called ministries in the world today that are being run according to human reasoning and human logic. I want you to know that this church was started by faith not by human reasoning and human logic. This church was started by faith. And for 21 years now, we've tried to keep faith right, you know, in our our focus. I'm asking you all to be praying for a new building. I don't want you to use human reasoning and logic. Well, how much can you afford? How much can you afford? How much can you afford? Let's get it together. Well, it's not very much. We need more. We need to go to the bank. Now we'll get all of the funding. Folks, that's wrong. That's human logic, human reasoning, human understanding. This is not how to do the work of God. This is a mistake. We need to look to God and say, lead us on, O King Eternal, to the promised land. Do a miracle, God. That's where faith comes in. Now, we need to ask God to increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith we might ask, or someone might ask, well, how much faith do we need, anyhow? How, you know, increase our faith, yes, but by how much? How much, Lord? How much faith do we need? How much should you increase our faith? And if we were to ask the Lord that question, who knows, maybe the Lord might ask us a question in return. Might he, maybe he'd say, well, how much do you want? How about that? Have you ever asked the Lord to increase your faith? I have. Have you? You probably have a hope. You have at some time. Well, what if right then there in prayer, Lord, increase my faith. All of a sudden, you hear God speaking to you. Well, how much do you want? How much do you want? What would you say? How would you answer God? You went into a bank. You asked for money. Mr. Bank loan manager, I'd, I'd like a loan, please. I'd like a loan. Please give me a loan. The bank manager's, First question is going to be what? How, say it, how much do you want? That's what the bank manager is going to ask you. You want a loan? How much do you want? And what do you say? I don't know. He'd say, stop wasting my time. You're a nice person, but go figure out what you want and then come back and see me. You say to God, increase my faith. God says to you, well, how much do you want? What do you answer God? Good question, isn't it? Can I make a suggestion? That you answer God and you say, enough faith in order to do your will for my life. That's reasonable. Lord, increase my faith. Well, uh, how much faith are you wanting? Lord, I want enough faith in order to be able to do your will for my life. That's a good answer. God would answer a prayer like that. And especially when it comes to the missions vision, the Great Commission. Lord, how do you want me to be involved with worldwide missions? Increase my faith. I want enough faith so that I can do your will for my life when it comes to missions vision. That would be a good way to pray, I would recommend, I would suggest. Have you noticed that God builds slowly? Have you noticed that? He does a lot of things slowly. We get old slowly. We don't get old quickly. Not unless you're in politics running for president (laughs) that'll put gray hair on anyone's head normally we we grow old slowly we grow up spiritually slowly things happen slowly and god builds faith slowly but surely he does we need we need a stronger better faith today than we did last year Why do we need a stronger, better faith today than we did last year? It's because our challenges this year are stronger. They're bigger, stronger challenges than they were last year. In order to meet the challenges, we need an increase in faith. Lord, increase my faith. My challenges have been increased. That's not all. I'll bet your temptations are increased as well. Maybe in some areas you've got total victory, but in other areas you know you've got stronger temptations today than you did a year ago. What's the answer? Increase that faith in order to meet the challenges, meet the temptations, and also the responsibilities. You've got increased responsibilities today than you did a year ago. Now, the tailors, for example, aren't they wonderful Family, eh? Pastor Taylor and Mrs. Taylor. It's not Linda Taylor, by the way. It's Lydia Taylor. You've got to remember that. Wonderful family. They got two children. Last year, they had one child. This year, they got another child. That means their responsibilities have increased. Isn't that right? Yes. And in order to meet those responsibilities, they need an increased faith, trust in God. Your faith needs to be stronger this year than it was last year. Every year, your mission's vision should be growing and growing, stronger and stronger. Every year, you should be looking to the Lord to see if he would increase what he would have you to do because you're doing it by faith, not by sight. You do it by faith. That's the key. That's the secret. In order to obey God day by day, year by year, We must do it by faith. Now, this is important. The truth is that we will never spiritually grow as long as we try to to give to God the amount of obedience that we think he wants. That's a mistake. Why is it a mistake? Because most all of us believe that God asks a bit too much from us. That's the bottom line, folks. Most of us tend to think that God asks too much. That's why most Christians will not pray, Lord, do with me whatever you want. Because they're afraid that God will will tell them to do something. Lord, if you want a missionary, you can call me. Now, how many Christians are going to pray that? How many? Some. But many won't. Because they're afraid that God is going to ask them to be a missionary. And they can't obey that. So, you see, if we give to God, if we render to God the amount of obedience that we think we should give. You see, that's a mistake. Because we, in the back of our head, we're thinking, God always asks a bit too much. Folks, what a mistake that is. We will miss out on the miracles if we do that. Chances are God is not going to call you to be a missionary to Timbuktu. Chances are that's not going to happen. But chances are God wants to do more miraculous things through your life than what you are aware of today. And the answer is faith. God is not going to ask you to use human logic and human reasoning. He's going to ask you for faith. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him everything must be by faith he asked Abraham to exercise faith when he told him to leave his hometown and go to the promised land Abraham didn't even know where he was going but yet he by faith he said yes and you say well well that's Abraham I'll tell you something else at that time in Abraham's life he was not even saved He wasn't even saved. A lost, unsaved man had that kind of faith in an invisible God. So what's your excuse now? Here's an unsaved man that has more faith than many of us. By faith, Abraham, you just check it out in Hebrews 11. By faith, he left Ur of the Chaldees, and he followed the leading of God into the promised land, and he wasn't even born again. He wasn't even saved. That takes faith. Faith is trust in what God says to be true and acting upon it. God called upon Moses to use faith and stretch out that rod over the the Red Sea. Not human reasoning. Some joke about a little boy who came home from from Sunday school one day. And his mother said, well, what did you learn? Well, mom, we learned about this man named Moses. Moses. And he was up against this big army of pharaohs, the Egyptians. And he had the Red Sea in front of him and the army behind him. What was he going to do? So what he did was he commanded all of his army men to build a bridge. And while that was going on, he got out his radio, his walkie-talkie radio, and called for air support, and they came and dropped bombs on the uh, Egyptians until the bridge was ready, and then they were able to cross over the bridge to get to the promised land. His mother said, oh, really? Is that what they taught you in Sunday school? And the boy shook his head and says, no. But you wouldn't have believed it either. (laughs) God called upon Moses to stretch out the rod and the sea parted. That was by faith. There were two blind men that came to Jesus and they said, Lord, Lord. We want our sight. Heal our sight. We're blind. Heal our sight. The Lord asked those two men a question. Believe ye that I am able to do this? How many remember this story? Raise your hand. Okay, and what did the two men answer back to Jesus? What did they say? Yea, Lord. Two words, yea, Lord. And when they answered yes back to Jesus, then Jesus answered back to them. According to your faith, be it unto you. And did they get healed of blindness? Yes or no? Yes, they did. You want to see God do some great things through you? You know what you need to do? You need to pray every day. Open my eyes, Lord, that I can see the harvest fields of this world. You need to pray and acknowledge that you are his ambassador. You need to ask God to increase your faith so that you can do some great things, so that you can obey his will for your life. Quickly, we have to finish here. Number four, I want you to consider how will you know? How are you going to know if the mission's vision is really of God? Now, we've been talking today about the mission's vision, the great mission's vision. How can I be involved? Well, here, listen to me. How are you going to know? If you're on the right track, you're gonna to pray to God and you're gonna say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How much do you want me to give to support the missionaries? How do you want me to be involved, Lord? And over the course of the next three weeks, God is gonna answer those prayers and then you're gonna say, I think I know what to do. Oh, do you really? How do you know for sure? This is point number four. How are you gonna know if you're on the right track? You see, the old devil's gonna come and tell you, You've missed it, sweetheart. You have missed it. You're doing too much. You're praying too much. You're giving too much. You've missed it. God isn't calling you to do all that. And you're going to say, he's not. Oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to give you the secret. I'm going to give you the answer. How you can know if you're on the right track. It's actually quite simple. I'd like you to turn in your Bible to the right, to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. You're going to see the answer there for yourself. Hebrews chapter 13. You know, the apostle Paul said some amazing things. And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And I want you to know that that, those words, that promise is still true for anyone here today. You, yes, you, can do everything God wants you to do through the power of Jesus Christ. It will happen. But how are we going to know if we're on the right track? Now, Hebrews chapter number 13. And I want you to help me out here once again. I want you to read out loud verse number 21. Can you do that, please? Verse number 21. Read it out loud now together with me, please. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now take your pen or pencil, would you please, and underline that first phrase. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. This is the secret. Listen carefully. Any good work that you're involved with, that is the will of God, any good work which is God's will for you to do will result in your perfecting. As you get involved doing the will of God, that's what this verse is teaching us. As we get involved doing what God wants us to do, there will be a perfecting process in our lives. There will be a spin off, a benefit. And that benefit will be Christ-likeness. As you do the will of God, listen to me, there will be an increase in in the fruit of the Spirit, which includes peace, love, joy. There will be an increase in patience and worship and obedience. There will be a drawing closer to God. This is how you will know. Because Christ will be more and more formed within you. As you do the will of God. You will know it. It No one will have to convince you. You will know it. Because it will feel right. You're going to become more like Jesus. If you're involved in something. And you find you're getting persnickety. You're getting angry. You're getting short fused. You're getting despondent. You're getting discouraged. You're getting depressed. You're getting all anxious. You're getting bent out of shape. It's just killing you. Hey, wait, stop, back up, take a look. Are you really involved in doing the perfect will of God? Because when you're involved in doing the perfect will of God, it'll have a perfecting process within you. There will be peace joy, love, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Hmm? There will be Christ-likeness built up in you. Hey, this is one way that I know that I am in the will of God in praying about that 104 building because of the spin-off effect. I have experienced in the last 10 months of earnestly praying day and night. I have experienced because of that. I have experienced an increase in faith and love and patience and joy and tenderness and closeness with the heavenly father. Well, pastor, does that mean we're going to get the building? I don't know that yet. I don't know if we will or we won't. I don't know, but I do know we're on the right track. Whether God gives us that building or some other building, God will get the glory. That's why you need to be in prayer every day, asking God to reveal his will. Be involved with the things God wants you to be involved in, and you will benefit. We're talking today about your missions vision. How does God want you involved? Well, am I too young? I'm just a youngster. Am I too young? No, you're not too young. You can be involved. You can be involved somehow to help us reach the world. Well, what about me? Am I too old? No, you're not too old. Well, what about me? I'm unemployed. No, that doesn't stop God. What about me? I'm very busy. I don't have much time. That's all right. You get involved. You let God tell you what to do and you act upon it. Listen, folks. This month, it's our missions conference, and I'm asking each and every one of you here today and each and every one of you watching on the internet, I'm asking each and every one of you, number one, every day, pray, ask God to open your eyes to the harvest field. Number two, pray and admit, acknowledge to God, you are an ambassador in this world. This world is not your home. Number three, pray and ask God to increase your faith. To increase your faith so that you can do his will. And number four, for him to show you that it's his will by increasing the joy, the peace, the love, the excitement for what God's going to do. That's very important. You need to ask yourself this question. If you had been standing with the disciples 2,000 years ago that day outside the Samaritan village. There you are, all of a sudden, standing there with the other disciples. (gasps) There's Jesus. And you heard Jesus tell you and the other disciples, you heard Jesus say these words, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest you need to ask yourself, what would that do for your mission's vision? If we could bring you back to present day, would you come and stand behind the pulpit and say, folks, we we got a job to do. We need a mission's vision. Jesus was teaching us a mission's vision that day. Would you be affected that way? Or, would you stand there with the other disciples and after Jesus said, lift up your eyes, look on the fields there, white unto two uh, Excuse me, Lord, but uh, you're different from us. You have a different mission than we do. Would you have said something like that? That would seem out of place, wouldn't it? Hey, doesn't it make you wonder what was Judas thinking? What was Judas thinking? thinking that day when he stood with the other 11 disciples and jesus said to them lift up your eyes look on the fields they're white already to harvest maybe judas said i don't i don't see what jesus is talking about all the other 11 disciples said we can see it lord we can see it yes And there's judas what's he talking about i don't get it hmm? do you have a missions vision You need one. You need one. I want to encourage you to ask God to give you one today. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Everyone, heads bowed and eyes closed. My Christian friend, right where you're sitting, or if you're watching over the internet, right where you're sitting, would you pray And ask God to give you a missions vision for world evangelism. Ask God how he wants you to be involved. To be his partner. In three weeks, we want to make a promise to God concerning mission support. Will you be ready? Right now, with your head bowed, would you pray and ask God to open your eyes to the harvest fields of the world? Do that right now, would you? Pray that right now. Ask God open your eyes that you too can see the harvest fields of the world right now would you acknowledge to God that you are his ambassador here on earth you're here to do a job for him right now would you ask God to increase your faith Say, Lord, increase my faith so that I can do what you want me to do. And then would you pray and ask God to show you if your mission vision is making you more like Jesus. Would you do that? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I don't want to finish until I ask this last question, but do you know for sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven? Are you wrestling with that one? You know there's a God in heaven. You know there's a place called hell. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Is there anyone here today who's not sure? Sure. With no one looking around, every head bowed, would you slip your hand up so that I can see, so that I can remember you in my prayer? Not by name, but I'll remember you. Pray for me, Pastor. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure. I want to be sure, but I'm not sure. Is there anyone here today? Slip your hand up just so that I can see. Anyone here today? Pastor, pray for me. Because if I died, I don't know what would happen to me. Pray for me. I'm not sure I would go to heaven. Anyone here today? Heavenly Father, we ask you in Jesus' name that you would lead and guide and over this month that you would give us a great missions vision, every one of us, that we would realize the joy there is between the sower and the reaper and that we would gladly be involved in your work. Lord, bless, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.